Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And, um, of course, we teach uh, healing school every Sunday at 3 p.m. And, the, you know, the purpose of that class is that service is to just teach on the subject of divine health and healing. Amen. And we know that it's God's will every single time without exception to heal our bodies. Amen. Is there, ever, is there ever an exception when God wants you to be sick, when he desires you to be unwell? There's never a, there's never a situation in the history of humanity that the Lord has desired a human being to be unwell. Uh, and so we know that. Uh, but, uh, of course, our healing comes by faith, like uh, really everything else that we obtain from the Lord comes by faith. But I was just meditating on just on faith uh, and um, <coughs> the uh, and I know we kind of know this, but the, the thing about faith, it, it, when you really start to believe God and faith is really simple, right? Faith is not a hard topic. Faith just says, if the Lord said it, I believe it. Right. Whatever the word of God says, I choose to believe it. If he said that I am your healer then our response is, well, then I believe that. You know, we don't have to necessarily understand all the details about that, but if the Lord speaks it, then we, we believe it, amen? And it's a pretty simple contract that if the Lord says it, uh, did he have to say it? Did anybody make him say it? Can anybody make God say anything? No, nobody made God say anything. So if the Lord said it, he chose to say it. Uh, and if he says it, then our response is, well, then I choose to believe that. But, but faith, you know, the thing about faith, it, it's, a, it's, it's unique in a, in a sense because, you know, hope, uh, a lot of times we live in hope, and hope is, well, it's going to happen someday, right? Uh, you order something on the Internet, and you've got hope that it's coming. Uh, and you're in hope, you know, between the time that you order and the time that it arrives. And if it's something that you really, really want, then you start tracking it, right? Oh, you know, it's in California, right? Oh, it's in Kansas. It's on its way here. It's at the depot in Chattanooga. It's going to be, you know, out for delivery. Then you're out there watching it, you know, for the whole time. And, and are they going to be late today or not? And so, you know, there's that hope, right? So hope is... Uh, an idea of the future, right? It's going to happen, but it's not happening today. But faith, uh, Hebrews 1, 11, 1 says, now faith is. And faith really removes the whole aspect of time. Faith doesn't think, well, I'm going to get healed. I'm, gonna, I'm going to receive. Faith is, I have it now. You know, uh, he, he said, uh, Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four 24, that whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and then you'll have them. So the believing comes before the receiving. So what do you believe in? That I have it. Not that I'm going to have it, but I do have it. Uh, the Lord told Abraham that I have made you the father of many nations. Not that I'm going to make you the father of many nations right now. So in, in God's mentality, there's no time in faith. It's not I'm going to get it tomorrow. I'm going to get it the next day. Uh, you know, it's coming. Faith is always, th there's no time. Faith is right now. Faith is I have it right now. And so I'm not waiting for it to arrive. I'm not planning for it to get here. I'm not hoping that, it, that uh, I obtain it. It's in, in the mind of God, I have it right now. Uh, as far as God's concerned, I, there is no time. Amen? Uh, and so if, if you can adjust your thinking about faith, so if you're believing for healing, if you're believing for finances, or if you're believing for a new job, or whatever that, is that you're believing God for, uh, as soon as the, the, the statement of faith goes, Lord, I need this, and I'm asking you for this, then faith says, then I have it, right? Because Jesus said, believe that you receive, and then you'll have it. Now, that's, that's really odd and different compared to how we do things out in the world, but it's the way God created the universe. It's the way God created everything, amen? That right now, uh, let, let there be light, uh, and I have made you the father of many nations, right? Uh, I, right now, it's, I'm not, you're not going to be that tomorrow, and that was 25 years before he had this first child, amen? 
Uh, and so, and you know, the Lord sometimes starts a little slow, right? Because it, it took 25 years for it to actually get there. And, and that was the only child of faith that Abraham had, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then the 12, right? And so, uh, you know, he started a little slow, but then after the 12, then they, they exploded and, and it became a large nation and moved to Egypt and the rest of that history there. So, uh, but, you know, you're really going to have to meditate on that whole concept that faith is now. Faith is right now. There's no time of faith. If you've believed it, then as far as God is concerned, it's there. And sometimes in the natural world, it takes time for things to get lined up. But it's not, it, it, there's no hindrance on God's side. It's already a done deal. Amen? Uh, and so meditate on that. Chew on that for a while because I've been meditating on that all week long. It was just uh, something the Lord just kind of dropped in my heart about a week or so ago. and just been thinking about that all week and and uh, I thought, well, I thought it was good, so uh, maybe you enjoyed it too, amen? And so let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and we'll get into praise and worship. Thank you, Father. You are great and mighty. Father, you have always been great and mighty. Father, you are great and mighty today. In our lives, in my life, Father, you are great and mighty. Father, I thank you. You live big on the inside of us. Father, you said in your word that this is the faith that overcomes the world, even this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. That power that lives on the inside of me, Father, gives me victory in every circumstance, in every situation, in every city, in every town, Father, I have the victory. In every state and country and continent, Father. I have the victory because you're great and mighty, Father. There's no devil in the earth that can hold a candle to you, Father. They're so weak, Father, and diminished. Father, you've taken all authority from the enemy of mankind. They have no authority to operate in the lives of your children. Father, we stand before you in awe thanksgiving for your greatness father you live great on the inside of us and so father we thank you we will forever be thankful and grateful father for what you've done for us and what you do for us each and every day thank you father and father with hearts of gratitude we thank you and we give you all the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus name Well, is the Lord great? He is great. Amen. You know, I just walk around all the time throughout the day. You know, if I'm by myself, I'll just tell the Lord how great He is, how mighty He is, how wonderful He is. I just like to remind myself. Amen. He doesn't need a reminding, but, uh, you know, we're not God. It's good for us to be reminded. Amen. That He's great and mighty. And uh, you listen to some Christians and God is retired, you know, in a in a... You know, he's not in assisted living. He's in a nursing home, right? Uh, I mean, he has to be fully taken care of because he's incapable, apparently, of taking care of himself, much less taking care of his very own children. Of course, we know that not to be true, but, um, um, you know, the Lord is alive. He, he is alive today, and uh, that's, I know, news to some Christians, right? They don't really know that he's alive. They don't act like he's alive. They, they act like he's a faraway God, and maybe someday we'll see him. Maybe not. You just never know, you know, but... 
He's alive. He, he's alive. On the inside of me right now, he's alive. Everywhere I go, the same power that created everything you see lives on the inside of me. Uh, how in the world can I possibly fail at anything? Amen. Uh, it's, uh, uh, he's so big. Amen. And some people, they preach God like he's so small. Like he just, you know, can't be bothered by us, his own creation. Uh, and uh, have you ever been bothered by, you know, your children want to come up and tell you that they love you? Uh, and apparently, you know, we're just starting on this journey, but apparently it's, it's even worse when you have grandkids, right? Uh, grandkids are just whatever, you know, just take it all, you know, it's all yours, right? Uh, and uh, at least I heard, you know, uh, ours turned a month old this week. Uh, and so, but, you know, can you imagine God being that way? Hey, Father, I need help. Would you stop bothering me? Just go away, right? Uh, and, and uh, you know, that's, uh, I'm the youngest of 11, and, and my parents were kind of the World War II generation. And, you know, that generation, at least in my family, I don't know if everybody else was like that, but in my family, it was kind of like you had kids, and then uh, that's the last time you talked to them, right? You know, you're born, and hey, how you doing? And then, I mean, we, we were kind of, you know, maybe it was because we had 11 kids, I don't know, you know, but uh, uh, I rarely ever remember spending time with my parents, you know. Of course, you know, uh, we spent time with my brothers and sisters, but uh, there wasn't much of a, uh, it wasn't that they hated me, didn't want to get rid of me, they never tried to, you know, take me out or anything, but... Uh, uh, there was never really any close connection there, right? And, uh, and I think sometimes we kind of take that on into our relationship with the Lord Jesus, and it's, the same, it's not the same way. He loves us, amen? Uh, and and um, he cares about us. And he put himself on the inside of us so that he's with us everywhere we go. There, there, should, be a, you know, there should be a normal, natural, uh, recurring awareness of his presence in your life. Everywhere you go, there, you, know, you should, oh, the God's with me. Everything you do, God's with me. You know, that'd really help us straighten up a lot. If, we, if we're about to do something and reminded ourselves, you know, God's with me. You know, not, not God's going to get you from that. You know, that, that's not the mentality. It's, you know, God's right there. He's watching you, right? And so uh, it, maybe we could straighten up a little bit more about that, you know. But, um, but there should be a normal, healthy awareness of the presence of God everywhere we go. Amen. And we have a right to that. Uh, and sometimes the church preaches like, you know, you get saved and hang on the best you can and you see God when you get to heaven. Between now and then, sorry, buddy, we got nothing for you. You know, that's really a terrible, that's a terrible deal, amen? I don't know how in the world the, the God who created everything would, would sign up for that deal. Yeah, I created everything just by speaking into existence, and then I'm going to come and live inside of you, but I'm not going to do anything for you. And I, you know, I asked a friend of mine one time, he, he goes to the Church of First Doubt and Unbelief, you know, uh, and... Um, they don't believe anything. They don't believe God heals, God speaks to you, God does miracles, you know. They don't believe anything. It's like, well, what do you believe? Well, we go to heaven. And they, in fact, they don't even believe as you go to heaven. Well, you don't really know. You don't know until you get there and you put your key card in and it doesn't work. Sorry, you didn't make it to heaven. You know, you put your key card in and the door unlocks. Okay, you're in. You don't know. I mean, you know, now you really can know, but that's the way they think, right? You don't really know until you get there. Uh, and I said, well, you, do you believe the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you? The Holy Spirit lives? Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, so what is he doing? Is he speaking to you? No. Is he leading you supernaturally? No. Does he show you things to come? No. Well, what's he doing? You know, if somebody moves into your house, they don't do anything. That's what you call a squatter, right? That's called somebody that you're going to get rid of. Amen, right? I mean, uh, I know people that got rental property and, you know, people will move in there and they don't pay. What are they doing? Nothing, right? Well, they got to move them out, right? And sometimes it takes an act of Congress to get them out. And, uh, and so... If the Lord Jesus, the creator of all the universe, lives on the inside of you, but he's not doing anything, that's taking up a lot of space. Right? I mean, that's a lot of space for him to take up. And he's not doing, he's not carrying his own weight. 
you know, he's not healing you. He's not giving you wisdom. He's not supernaturally speaking to you. What's he doing? Well, he's not doing anything. What? How does that even make sense, right? What kind of a doctrine is that? Should people come up with doctrine? And, you know, uh, from my perspective, when I read the Word of God, doctrine makes sense. You're walking around sense, right? Not, you know, people become dumb when they walk into church oftentimes. You know, they're smart outside, but they come in here and they say dumb things like God wants to make you sick. But out there, you know, well, I would never make my child sick. But you come in here, well, God wants to make me sick. That's just just not even walking around sense, right? That doesn't even make any sense. People come up with the craziest doctrines for the Lord. uh, And, uh, you know, just lay your Bible aside and turn your brain on for just a few seconds and see if this makes sense, right? See, who created your brain? Well, the Lord created your brain, amen. I know that, that the spiritual things can't be discerned naturally. I understand that. But, uh, but if, you're, if you're born again, your brain is, is getting renewed every day. Your mind is getting renewed every day to think like God thinks. And, and the more you think like God thinks, the more things just make sense. Well, God wants to heal me. Well, why wouldn't he want to heal me? Of course he'd want to heal me. If, if he has all the power, surely he'd want to heal me. You know, to think that God has all the power in the universe, which he does, but he doesn't want to heal you, that's, that's a terrible indictment on, on the kindness of the Lord. Amen? I can do anything, but I'm just not going to. That's different than, I wish I could, I just can't. You know, I mean, sometimes, hey, you know, brother, can you spare a dime? I would, I don't have a dime. Okay, that's fair, right? Uh, and you go, then you go to the billionaire, hey, can you spend a dime? No. Why not? I just don't want to. That's terrible. And that, that's the way people think of God. Yeah, can you do it? He can do anything. I mean, he, he just spoke the world into, just spoke it, right? He didn't build it. He didn't manufacture it. He spoke it into existence. But he doesn't want to heal you? That just, that just doesn't make any sense, right? How, have you ever met the Lord? You know what I'm saying? It's just, uh, you know, if you meet the Lord, you're like, oh, well, of course he'd want to heal me. Absolutely. If you really knew the Lord, if you really met him in your heart, in, in, your, in your soul, you know he'd want to heal you, amen? Just, that would be an obvious thing. You know, then you can go back to the word of God. You know, when I got saved... I didn't know anything. I, I didn't know any Bible. I didn't know anything about anything. But I knew God was good. And, you know, of course, the Bible says many times, for the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Many times it says that. Well, now I know that, right? Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Amen? Uh, and, and so, I mean, you can go through the Scripture and find out the time of the Lord is good. Amen? Now, I didn't know that. But, but if you know the Lord is good, what else do you know? Well, if he's good, he'd want to heal you. He'd want to protect you. He'd want to deliver you. He'd want to uh, care for you all the days of your life. If that's what, that's what a good God would do, amen? Well, you know, his, his good is different than your good. That's just dumb. What's the word good mean? Why would you use the word good if it doesn't mean that, amen? Uh, well, yeah, the, the word good in the Bible doesn't mean the same as the word good out in the world. Well, well then why did they translate it as good? I mean, the, we're the ones who translated it as the word good, right? They could have translated it to bad or whatever, but um, I don't know. Sometimes I just sometimes I wonder about the church. You know that the, these things are not hard, right? The, the understanding that God desires good things for you—that's not a hard concept. That He wants to bless you beyond your. You know, He said in Ephesians three twenty that He's able to do exceeding abundantly above what all that you can ask or what or think. You ever just you know daydream? Boy, wouldn't it nice to have a brand new car. You know, sometimes you just daydream, wouldn't it nice to have a car that doesn't explode every time I turn the key on? I mean, sometimes your bar's pretty low, right? You know, when I, when I, had, uh, had, a, uh, I had a 1974 Mustang, it was my very first car, right? And, and you know, I got, I got ruined by Kenneth Copeland like so many other people did when I was in high school. I got saved, and, and he said, well, if you, if you believe, you've got to be specific. Pray what you want. You know, okay, well, Lord, I want, a, 
I want a car, I want a sunroof, you know, because I'm a teenage boy, right? So I want a sunroof, I want it to be, you know, a sporty car, I want it to have air conditioning. You know, many of the borrowers are very high, right? You know, uh, and, and, uh, and that's what I got. I got, I want a nice stereo, right? You know, because you got to have a stereo if you're going to be a high school kid, you got to have a stereo, right? And so, uh, so I didn't know. I just thought, well, here, here's what I want, Lord. So that's what I got. The Lord brought me a car, a 1974 Mustang. Had a crank sunroof. Anybody remember that? Crank sunroof, right? Back before they invented electricity. You had to crank it, you know, the windows. You had to crank the windows. And, and of course, you know, you don't know anything. So you think, you know, you're going to be cool. So you go down to the, to the, to the auto zone and you buy the, the sheepskin co- seat covers, right? Because you're required to have sheepskin. Now, they're fake, right? Because they're not real sheepskin. So they're even worse than real sheepskin. Yeah, because they're fake sheepskin, and I love those sheepskin cover. You know, the Christian like it. You know, she got, she saw my car. You know, I met her about two years after I had the car. She's like, "Wow, this guy needs some help. <laughs> He's got fake sheepskin covers on his car." Uh, but uh, but the time I, that car lasted all the way through I graduated, but you know, it needed a lot of help. So I used to carry around uh, a case of oil in my trunk because I'd go get I'd fill up with gas and fill up with oil at the same time. Uh, and so, but you know, we made it through it and. Like a, a, a week, a week, literally a week after I graduated, he just gave up the ghost, right? The transmission exploded or something happened. And, uh, but we, we made it through there, amen? But, but they said, be specific. So I was very specific. Lord, this is what I want, you know? And, 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 and so the Lord wants to take care of us, amen? This is not hard. This is not hard doctrine. This is not, you know, uh, you're being selfish. How am I being selfish if the Lord wants to give it to me? Uh, you know, it's it just... Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I just wonder about the church, you know, and, and uh, I wonder why, why we make it so hard to be a Christian or we make it so hard that God wants to be good to us. Is there any limit to God? I mean, they don't even know the limit of the universe and, and they get concerned because, because you believe God for a cracker. Well, how many crackers do you believe in God for, you know? Two? You're so selfish. You're so, so selfish, you know? Two crackers. What's wrong with you? He created the moon. You know, just... just I mean, just the moon itself is more than we could ever imagine. You know, they talk about these asteroids they find out in space all the time. And they, they got one asteroid, and they said the whole asteroid is made out of iron and nickel. They said if we could, if we could mine that, that, that one asteroid, it's like trillions and trillions and hundreds of trillions of dollars worth of iron and nickel. One, one rock in, the, in, the spa, in space, if they could figure out how to go out there and get it, it'd be more money than all the earth has right now. It's worth more than everything, every penny in the whole earth. Just one rock in space that's not doing anything. It's just sitting around in space, flying around and running into other things in space. That's all it's doing. It's not helping anybody. And the Lord just flung it up there for us to look at it. And you think he's concerned because you, you want a, a, a better vehicle or a better job or a better life? He, he's not concerned about that. It, it's such a, small, such a small thing, amen? And so it's just, uh, the Lord is good, amen? And His mercy doesn't endure forever. So we are here in, in the book of Matthew chapter 5. Let's turn over there today. And uh, uh, we've been going through the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Of course, the Sermon on the Mount is, is the longest dissertation of the Lord Jesus. And this may be the longest dissertation uh, of Word of Truth Church too by the time we get through it all. Uh, it gives us three chapters uh, long here, amen? Uh, but we got to, uh, uh, to, to verse 13 uh, and, and Jesus is, is speaking here. He said, You are the salt of the earth, but the salt is lost its savor. Wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. You are the light of the world, the city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So if we're supposed to be doing good works that other people can see, what do you think the Lord's doing? He's also doing good works, amen? It's not, he's not going to tell us to do something that he's not doing, amen? Uh, and so, uh, but we talked a little bit last week about salt, and one of the, the main aspects of salt is preservation. And we talked about how the church, while we're here on this earth, we preserve the world. The world, uh, the world will not be destroyed uh, due to sin until the church is removed, because we're the here, our presence preserves the earth, amen? So I would encourage you, you know, even though people do it, and it does say it in the word of God, come quickly, Lord Jesus, I never prayed that prayer. Because if he comes, that means that somebody else is not going to make it to heaven. Amen? Because if they, if they haven't made the right choice, and the, the, the Lord removes the church through the rapture, and then starts the process of the seven-year tribulation, and his, his intent is to cleanse the world and universe of sin. Amen? Now, easiest way to do that is to receive the Lord Jesus. That removes all the sin. Amen? If you don't want to do that, he will remove sin. It has to be removed. It has to be gotten out of creation. And he will do that by removing the people that choose not to accept his work of the, of the Lord Jesus uh, and, and they get placed into hell. That's not his choice. It's their choice because who could receive the Lord Jesus if they wanted to? Anybody, right? Anybody limited? No, not you. Now, see, if it's me, it'd be like, not you. But for him, it's like God so loved the world. Anybody limited? Uh, you know, we, uh, we always want to make, pick and choose who's, who can be saved, right? Well, you can be saved, but not you. Not you, you know, what have you done? Oh, no, yeah, that'll never work, right? Uh, we we want to have limits. But God, he said, but God so loved the whole world. You reckon he knew there's any really bad people in the world at that time? You know, you look at the history of humanity. We are a horrible uh, race, amen? The history of humanity, is, I mean, the worst possible things you can imagine have been done uh, in the human race to other humans and to other, other, other things, right? And yet the Bible said God so loved the whole world. That he sent uh, his, his own son. Amen. That whosoever should believe. You know, there's, there's, there's a the doctrine floats around every now and then about, well, predestination. God's already picked who's going who's to make it, who's not. No. God knows who's going to make it, who's not. But he hasn't picked them. We get to pick. Amen. Now, you just got to leave it at that. Because if you try to understand God beyond that, it, your, your brain's going to fry anyway. So don't try to explain God. He, he knows, but it's still your choice. Amen. That's a big difference in then you don't have a choice. Well, we don't have a choice. You have a choice. Everything you do is a choice. Faith, the very essence of faith is a choice. I choose to believe. Amen? Uh, and so uh, we're here as the preservation uh, of, of, the, of, the, um, uh, of the world. Amen? But the other thing about salt, uh, and in fact with Jesus, the point of, that Jesus want to make here is that salt has lost its savor or its, its ability to, uh, to add flavor. Amen? So, you know, salt in cooking, its primary purpose is a flavor enhancer. So you're not really supposed to taste salt. Uh, if you put salt in the right amount, then all the flavors in that food come out. Amen. And so you ever had just bland food, right? My fancy food doesn't have any flavor. And you put a little salt on it. Not a lot of salt, right? But you put a little salt on it, then you taste the flavor of that. If you put too much salt on it, that's all you taste, right? Uh, and so, of course, uh, previous generations, salt's a killer, right? Salt, you can't eat salt, you know. And then, then, then we had to get some sanity and realize, well, you know, salt's kind of important, amen? Uh, but Jesus said that, that our purpose as a church, he said, you, the church, are the salt of the earth, amen? Our job is to bring flavor to the earth. Uh, and if we remove that salt, the whole world is bland. Now, the world loves to tell the church, you all are so boring, 
You all are just, you, you're no value. You know, you should be hip and cool like us. That is, that is such a lie. The church is the only one who has any flavor in the world at all. Without us, the world is bland and boring and just sin like everybody else is sin. There's no, there's no interesting sin. It's all boring sin. It's been around since the beginning of time. It's not interesting at all. And we shouldn't be enthralled or interested in the sin of the world. Oh, wouldn't it be nice to be like the world? Who wants to be like, like bland? Who wants to be like vanilla all the time? That's the world. The church, we're the only ones who can bring in the presence of God. The presence of God is the only spice in the whole world. Amen? And we bring that everywhere we go. We carry that with us. And if it wasn't for us, it'd be so boring in the world. But the world, the world loves to tell the church, you're the boring ones. That is not true. That is, that is the exact opposite of truth. You know why? Because it's the world. You know what they do? They lie. They, turn, they, they say that good is evil and evil is good. I mean, you look at today. It's, we live in insanity. I mean, right now, today, with all the transgenderism and all the insane, I mean, you know, it's just insane. I mean, it's just crazy world, right, that we live in. And everything is bad that, that used to be good, and everything is good that used to be bad. It's just crazy talk. And you go out there and say, what in the world? But that's just been going on since, you know, from Lucifer. I will exalt my throne above the most high God. That's what he said. That's crazy talk. The crazy talks always come from the devil. Amen. All these crazy things going on in the world, it comes because of the devil. And it's boring. Uh, without the power of God, without the presence of God, it's all boring. And the church struggles with this. We struggle so often with trying to look like the world. Why do you want to look like the tasteless world out there? Why do you want to look and sound like them? And there's such a struggle sometimes. I hear people even from the pulpit say, you know, don't look too much like, the, like a Christian. Go get all tattooed up. And, and I don't care. You got tattoos. None of my business. It's, it's, it's irrelevant. But, but go talk like the world and cuss like the world and drink like the world and smoke like the world and, and do all these things to look just like the world. Well, you know what that means? You, you're bland. You're tasteless. You're adding no flavor to the world at all. You know, it's perfectly fine to actually be a Christian. It's, it's perfectly fine to actually act like a Christian, right? It's, it's perfectly fine to be a righteous person on, in the earth, amen? There's nothing wrong with that. Don't let any, any preacher, so-called preacher, tell you, don't act like a Christian. You mean don't, don't be kind? Don't pray for the sick? Don't raise the dead? Don't, don't heal the lame? Don't pray and receive from heaven? Don't get direction supernaturally? Don't get wisdom that nobody else can have? Don't, you mean don't be like that? That's exactly how you should be. Amen? You know, if it wasn't for our kindness of the world, the world, they have no morals. Our, our morals and kindness are based upon the absolute standard of the Word of God. It never wavers. It never changes. The world's morals change with the wind. You know, yesterday, things that, you know, they talk today, nowadays, there was just, uh, just, in fact, I saw on the news the other day, some teacher in, in a school system said, you know, uh, uh, don't, don't call them pedophiles. You know, they're just people that like kids. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> you know, you think, that's crazy. That's just, you know, that person doesn't need to be arrested. They need to be, they need to be in, put in an asylum somewhere. That's crazy talk, right? But, but today, you know, that, that goes, you know, oh, you've got to understand that they're, they're having a hard time. No, they're crazy. Lock them up. Put them away somewhere far, far away from every human being. Amen? And that, that's normal. But they say they want to flip everything that's normal upside down. Well, it's perfectly fine for us to have an absolute standard. An absolute standard. And our absolute standard is the Word of God. Amen? Never wavers. Never changes. Never goes out of date. You know, sometimes even in church, I hear people say things like, 
well, you know, we don't let a first century book define our path. You know, that, that's a first century book, you know, mentality. We're talking about the Bible, right? It was finished in the first century. It started, you know, uh, well, 4,000 years ago, right? Moses was about 4,000 years ago. That's when Moses started writing the Bible. So it's been around about 4,000 years, finished up about 2,000 years ago in the first century. We, we don't let first century book dictate our plan. But everything they act like, it's older than that. It's, Lucifer's been around since before there was a first word printed. First word written, Lucifer was around. All these things they think are cool and hip today, boring. Been around for thousands of years. All the sin they want to come up with, it's not cool and hip. It's not, oh, we're progressing. You're regressing to ancient sin. None of that's interesting. It's, it's all boring. And so we are the salt of the earth. And Jesus said, you know, if, if it's lost its savor, it's, if it's lost its ability to enhance the flavor of the things around it, what good is it? You know, when we look, when we strive to look like the world, we're of no value to the world. When we strive to sound like the world, we are no value to the world. He said, uh, salt that has lots of savor is good for what? Good for nothing. Uh, that's, that's a tough indictment on the church. And he's talking to the church, right? He said, if you look just like the world, sound just like the world, taste just like the world, he said, you're good for nothing. I didn't say that. Who said that? Jesus said, oh, you're being hard. I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just, he wrote, he said it. I didn't say it. Amen. He said, there needs to be a distinction. When we go out into the world, the world should be better because we've arrived. Amen? Uh, and that is perfectly fine. Uh, we should never cower down. Oh, you're one of them Christians, you know. Yeah, not only that, I speak in tongues, you know. And, the, and just all the oxygen would leave the room. Like, oh, he said he speaks. He's a, he's a crazy person. I'm a crazy person who lives in divine health every day. Lives in peace every single day. Happy every single day. And how is your life? Right? All, all my needs are met every day. Amen. I take no prescription medication. I sleep well every single day. Amen. Uh, you know, you go to the doctor. Well, you know, they don't say, are you taking anything? They say, what are you taking? <laughs> you know, it's not a question of, of if, it's what, right? Well, you know what I'm taking? I'm, I literally take no medication. Zero medication. Not because I'm just suffering through it. I don't need to take it. I have no need for anything. I have no need for aspirins, no need for Tylenol, no need for pizza chasers. No need. I, I just I take no medication. Why? I don't need any any medication. I just don't need anything. Everything I eat, you know. Well, you don't get heartburn. No, because I bless the food. Everything I eat, you know, is blessed and, and sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, you go to some people that open up. They got tums and they got Rolaids and they got you know all these things. And now look, I'm not if, I'm not belittling anybody. If, if you love tums and Rolaids, you take it all you want to, right? Now the only thing I well the only well I don't guess it's called medication, but I do have breath mints, you know. That's the closest medication I've got is my breath mints, right? And these are high-octane breath mints, right? These will clear out your sinuses and, uh, and cause hair to grow on you, too. I mean, they're intense. So. Uh, but we are the salt of the world. We are the salt of the earth. Jesus called us that. Uh, without us, the world is bland and boring. Amen. Now, now, they think they'd rather have life without us, but they don't even know. All the joys in the world comes about because of the Lord Jesus. Uh, if there's any happiness in the world, it's because God exists. Amen. And we are the carriers of that. And so don't, don't ever let, don't ever let the, the world tell you that, you know, you're boring and, and the world will be better without you. That, that is completely opposite world. Amen. And right now we live in opposite world. Everything they say, just turn it around 100% uh, the other way. And that's probably close to truth. Amen. 
when they say the world, the world would be better off without the church, and they are all the time trying to get the church to be quiet, shut up. Just feed people and give them, give them clothes. Otherwise, shut up. No, I'm not going to shut up. You know, if it's crazy talk, I'm going to say it's crazy talk. Amen? Uh, and, and Look, I'm not mad at anybody. I want them all saved. Amen? Sometimes, you know, we cross the line in the church and we get mad at sinners. Uh, you know, now, I do get riled up if I see people harming innocent people, right? Like the crazy talk about the, the woman who said that it's okay to, you know, for adults to, to uh, have relations with children. That's crazy. Someone like that should be institutionalized and, and away from all human beings, right? Uh, because they will harm innocent people, amen? And they should be removed from the scene. Now, I'm not saying they should be killed, but they should be removed from any activity that could, could influence any person in the world, amen? Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't like it when innocent people are harmed. Uh, but if it's just a, just a regular garden variety sinner, I'm not mad at them for sinning. I'm not mad at, you know, I'm not mad at... Drug dealers, drug users, you know, homosexuals. I don't really care. You know, I'm not mad at anybody. Sometimes we get mad in church about every sin in the world. And why, why that, that our job is to add salt to their life, right? In a good way to, to, to bring flavor to the life so that they can enjoy life by getting into the church of the Lord Jesus. Amen? So he said, if, we, if, if, if we're not adding any flavor to the world, he said, we are, we are good for nothing. Amen? It's okay to, to be a Christian. Now, don't be a self-righteous Christian, right? Don't run around and, and saying, you know, don't run around and tell sinners to quit sinning. That's, that's the dumbest thing. You ought not sin, you know. I'm, I'm not talking about sin that harms other people. That, they should stop that. But if they're just doing things in their own life, you know, that, that's not hurting anybody, it's still sin, my job is not to go and, and demand they live a moral life. My job is to go show them the goodness of God so they can get into the church and allow the, church, the Lord Jesus to help them get that sin out of their life. Amen. Uh, don't get all self-righteous and, and, uh, and condemning of people in the world. We're not here to condemn the world. We're here to win the world over by showing them how, how uh, much of an advantage it is to be a Christian. Amen? And so uh, we are the salt of the world. And, and then Jesus, of course, he went on to say uh, after that that we are the light of the world. Amen? And again, the world said we, we would love the church to not be here. Oh, you would like to have no light at all. You know, there is no light in the world except for the church. If, uh, if and when, uh, uh, well, the church will one day be removed from the, from the earth through the rapture, all that will be left will be darkness behind it. Now, there will be pockets of light as people uh, are moved upon by the Spirit of God and they receive the Lord Jesus. People will get saved during the tribulation time. And there will be small pockets of light in that. But we are the light of the world. There is no light in the world uh, except for the church. And that's our job. And it's okay to be the light of the world. Amen? You know, you ever, you ever flicked on a porch light at night? And what happens? Every moth in the county comes to your house, right? And they're all flying around there, right? They see that they're drawn to that. You know, the world, even if they won't admit it, they are drawn to you. They're drawn to your joy. They're drawn to your peace. They're drawn to your happiness. You know, that, that's why the church needs to be people of faith. Because when we're people of faith, we're the happiest people, most content people, most sane people, most wise people on the world, in the, in the whole world, amen? Uh, when we're just, uh, I was reading some, some uh, famous author, I think it was Robert Louis Stevenson, uh, he said, uh, he went to the church and he came, he said, I went to church and I was not depressed. I mean, that, that's the best he could say about going to church, that he wasn't depressed by going to church. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty low bar, right? Uh, because that's for, 
for, the, for years in different uh, groups and circles of the church, we just heap condemnation on the church. We just tell you all sorry people, you know, and, uh, and God's mad at all of you all. Well, if he's not mad at the world, God still loved the world. Why is he mad at us, the church? Amen. Uh, are there things we've got to straighten up? No doubt. There's always things that we've got to straighten up. <clears throat> but he's just not sitting mad all the time. <clears throat> no, we are the light of the world. Uh, the only light and joy in the, in the earth exists because I'm here. Amen? Not just me personally, but the church. Amen? Uh, you are the light of the world. There's only darkness. Uh, you know, darkness, there's no path to, to victory in darkness. There's only path to victory when the church shows them the light. Amen? And that's our job. And, you know, we, we, we expose that light. Of course, Jesus, at the end of, this, at the end of these similitudes, talks a little bit about letting our light so shine. Amen? Our good work so shine. You know, it's okay to, for people to see your light. It's okay for people to see that, you know, you're, you're, you're one of us. I don't have to be one of you. I don't have to cuss like you. I don't have to, you know, be mean like you. I don't have to, you know, tell dirty jokes like you. I, I, I can just be me. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not a super self-righteous person. You know, I don't run around going, you know, don't be doing that sin over there. I, I never tell a sinner to stop sinning. Amen? Because if you tell a sinner to stop sinning, they're not any closer to heaven. Amen? You know, they're not, you don't get to heaven by lack of sin. Amen? You get to heaven by being light. Uh, in fact, uh, we're, we're there in, in Matthew chapter 5. Let's turn over to, to, uh, to John. Uh, we'll start in John chapter 3, and then we'll back up to John chapter 1. Jesus said here, uh, in um, verse 19, and this is the judgment or the condemnation uh, that light is come into the world. So who is the light that came into the world? Jesus is, right? Uh, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Why, why do people not like the church? Because they're evil people, right? Now, you, you can go to some circles and, uh, and they will respect the church. Even if they're not part of the church, they will respect the church. Uh, but a lot of nowadays, if you say you're a Christian or heaven forbid you say you're a pastor, I mean, they think like you're a vampire. I mean, they don't want to have anything to do with you, right? You have no right to say anything. You have no privilege to, to say anything anywhere. They're the only ones who have a right to say anything. That's not true. We could say God is good, and he, and he chooses to live a righteous life, and I choose to live a righteous life. Amen. Nothing wrong with saying that. Amen? And, and don't ever be ashamed of it. Don't ever be ashamed of being a... Because you're the only light of the world. You're the only salt that exists, the only flavor that exists in the whole world is you. Not, not the world. The world has nothing to offer you. And people like, you know, they struggle sometimes. I don't know if I want to be in church or be in the world because in the church there's only peace and joy. In the world there's, there's, there's you know, sin and destruction and, and hatred and bitterness and, and, and poverty and disease. But I kind of like that. But over here there's only, uh, you know, uh, divine health and, and, and wisdom. How is that even a choice, right? If you really understood the choice, how is that ever a choice? But, you know, the world lies, right? How do you know the world's lying? They're talking, right? Oh, it'll be good over here. It'll be good over here, right? Crazy thing to me. I mean, just, this is such a, a small thing, but uh, it isn't really that much to do with the church. But, you know, it's like, like smoking, right? Anybody uh, know about people who smoke? Look, if you don't smoke, I don't care. I don't even want to know if you smoke or not, right? But smoking. I grew up in a, in a smoke-filled house. We, we smoked, I mean... Uh, you walk in and, and you had to wear a gas mask in our house. I mean, just, and, and we smoked, no, we not, I didn't, I never smoked, but my parents smoked camels. Anybody remember camels? High octane, right? 
and he'd get you to zero to cancer in no time. I mean, just super high octane uh, cigarettes, and that's what they, a whole family smoked camels, right? And, and, and so I had secondhand, thirdhand, fourthhand smoke all the time growing up, and, and I won't ever get any cancer, you know, because I choose not to participate in that. Uh, but, you know, nowadays, how in the world does anybody smoke? I mean, how in the world does somebody who's not smoked today start smoking tomorrow? Hey, you ever read the pack? You know, the little pack on the, you know, Surgeon General. This will kill you, like, by tomorrow. Uh, oh, hey, I want to do that. How, how do we get there? Because somebody says, it'll be good for you. Lie. I mean, just lying. I mean, the only way that you could ever start smoking is lie. Because you take your first cigarette. Now, look, I've never even had a drag of a cigarette, right? Uh, and so, uh, but, uh, but I used to watch the, the cigarette smoke, uh, you know, waft off my, my dad's uh, cigarette. And, and I, I'd wonder, why, why, is his, why is his nails, uh, his fingernails always so yellow? I didn't realize that was tar, right? From the, so you're burning hot, you're, you're, you're putting hot burning ash and tar into your lungs when you smoke, right? But today, people are picking up smoking every day. Now, how is that even possible? Because you've got to choke it down for the first pack or two before you can make it, right? I mean, you near, near death sickness before you make it, right? And I, I, I've never smoked, but I can read, right? I, and I, I know people that do this, and they've got to choke it down and, and suffer through sickness to get there. And how is that a good thing? Are they going to accept me? Accept me? I mean, you know, I learned a long time ago, if, if God accepts, accepts me, man, I'm good. You don't like me, that is your loss. I mean, that, now, that, you know, you don't get there overnight. You have to learn who you are in the Lord. But, you know, if, I, if I've got to smoke for you to accept me, whatever, right? But, you know, how, how do we get there? Well, it's the same way the, the, the church gets into the world all the time. It's lies. Oh, it's better over here. It's better over there. Better to act. You know, I talked to somebody. They're talking about how in their church. Now, I didn't say nothing. None of my business. But they, they do all these things. They got fog machines. And they got, you know, rock and roll music. And they're very carnal. And they said, you know, but they have a lot of, lot of youth. And they said, you can't argue with success. It's like, well, could I start? <laughs> I mean, I could argue with anything. I mean, I could argue with the stump. You ever met me? I mean, I argue about anything. And, and so uh, is our goal to look like the world? You know, did Jesus have to look like the world to get the, the youth interested in him? No, he just raised a few people from the dead. It's like, wow, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, can I get in line with that? You know, he just healed a few lepers and people would be interested. Amen. He showed the true light of, of, the, of the gospel to the world and they were drawn to him. You know, we don't have to look like the world to get the world. Amen. Because if we, if we have to look like the world to get the world, then there's no flavor. We have lost our savor, right? We have lost our ability to, to bring flavor into the world, amen? And he said, he said we are the light of the world. So men, men love darkness, <clears throat> but, but every now and then, when we bring light to them, they're drawn to that, amen? If you're dark just like the world is dark, you, you're no difference in them, right? There's no distinction. You show up and go, oh, you're one of us. Uh, you know, that'd be a terrible indictment to, for the world to say, oh, you're one of us. No, we're not one of you, amen? Uh, and look, I... I uh, when, if you meet me outside, if I'm, you know, at a restaurant, I'm the nicest guy there. You know, I'm going to be nice and, uh, and I'm going to be the biggest tipper. I'm going to try to be the biggest tipper ever, right? Uh, I don't know if arrived yet or not, but I'm going to try to do that, amen? Because I want them, God loves them. And see, that'll give me a way into them, right? If I, if, so many Christians are so stingy, right? God's given us the world and, and we're, we're calculating, you know, uh, 0.01% of our tip, right? What's 1%, right? What's 1%? It's, well, you do whatever you want to do, none of my business, but, uh, but we can show the world that God is good. Amen? Uh, and 
I mean, nothing to brighten your day. We've had people cry, uh, you know, for a tip. Now, that's, that's pretty intense, right? I mean, you cry for a tip. It's like, well, you know. Uh, and so uh, we are the light of the world. We're the only ones who bring light anywhere we go. Amen? And, and we do not have to act like the world. And so, uh, you know, if you, we're in chapter 3 there. If you go back up to, to chapter 1, John chapter 1, Jesus said here, or, or actually uh, uh, this is John, the apostle John wrote this uh, by the direction of the head of the church, right? So essentially Jesus instructed him what to say. But he said here about Jesus in verse 9, that was a true light. So you're talking about Jesus was a true light, right? And then he says, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So how many men are lit by the true light? Every man. Every single man. So who has the light of God in them when they come into the world? Everybody. Every single baby is alive unto God, right? That's what, what one way we say is that they're alive unto God. That's a light. That's a true light that comes from heaven. God lights every man. So that's our spirit man, right? So the body, the DNA of the body was, was created by the mother and father, right? They came together. And their DNA is mixed, and they, they produced a child with different DNA than the mother or father. It's similar, but it's, it's still unique to that particular child. Now, and can you change your DNA? You can't change your DNA. If they tell you now, you can just change your gender. Well, you know, uh, it take a lot. You know how many DNA molecules you've got in your body? It's trillions. I mean, you can start today, but you'll never get done in the lifetime of the universe if you can try and change your DNA. But anyway, it's a different discussion. But, um, but Jesus light every, lit every human being that came to the world. Now, this is important to know because we are the light of the world, amen? Uh, and sometimes the church really struggles with simple doctrine. What, what qualifies us to get to heaven? Anybody know? Well, I'm not make a test here because we, if we get a wrong answer, then I'd hate to say, well, that's wrong, you know, uh, on, the, on the broadcast of the entire world, right? Uh, the, what gets us to heaven is having the light of God on the inside of us, being alive unto God, right? What did Jesus say to, back in chapter 3? What did Jesus say to Nicodemus in John chapter 3? Uh, he said, uh, in verse 3, to, Jesus said this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So, uh, when, we're, when we come into the world, we have the light of God on the inside of us. Every baby, like I've got a brand new uh, grandson, he's alive unto God. He's got the, the light of God came into him when he was born in the earth. The, the life of God was in him, right? At, at conception, uh, the, life, the light of God, the life of God uh, was put in him. And so uh, if he died, and he's not going to die, but if he died, uh, he would go to heaven because he has the light of God in him, right? Uh, and so he's alive unto God. So, uh, but what happens to every human being in the world, right? Whatever ha- human being in the world goes through uh, Romans chapter 7. And I know we go through this rabbit path on, on occasion, but it, it's helpful because... The church, we seem to struggle with this, simple, with this simple doctrine. What gets us to heaven? What gets us to heaven, uh, Paul said here in uh, Romans chapter 7, verse, verse 9, he says, For I was alive without the law at one time, once. So when was he alive uh, during this time that he's talking about? In, in, what, in what way was he talking about being alive? He was talking about being alive spiritually. That light that comes into every child is lighting their spirit person to become a, a living spirit being when they come into the world. Amen? The natural life is brought to them by their parents, but the spiritual life comes from God the Father. And, and the book of Hebrews says that God is the Father of all spirits. So every spirit being, which is all humans, comes from the Father. 
Amen. We didn't exist as spirit beings before we were born into the earth. You know, there's some Jewish uh, myths that said we were all in heaven as little uh, unborn babies and then God assigned us a body. No, it, that wasn't true. We, we have a beginning. Amen. Our beginning was when we were conceived uh, by our parents. Uh, and, and so uh, then that child is alive unto God. Right now, that child is alive unto God. It's, it was lit by God. Does God make any death? No, God doesn't make death. So God brings life to every child. That child is alive and brings light into the world. That's why, you know, I was talking to an insurance lady yesterday, and we were just talking and, and uh, said, yeah, we've been busy with the grandson. Oh, you got a new baby. And then and that was the last, last word I said. She went on and about baby. I love babies, you know, and I'm so happy for you. you got babies, you know. People love babies, right? Every now and people don't like babies. and Well, they're, you know, they need therapy. But, uh, but, uh, but people love babies because why? They're alive. Spiritually, they're alive. They bring life into the world. And, and the world can't quantify it because they don't understand it, but it's easy to understand from the Word of God. We love babies because they're alive. They bring light into the world. Amen? And so Paul said, I was alive without the law at one point in time. So how was he alive? He was alive spiritually because you read the context of it, you understand what he's talking about. He said, but when the, sin command, when, when the commandment came, well, what commandment? Do right. Do this. Don't do that. Whatever the commandment is, right? Whatever the, the rule, the regulation, either by his parents or by, by uh, the word of God, the commandment came, sin revived, and I what? I died. Well, did he die physically? No, because if he died physically, it would be end of Romans right there, right? I died, period, just flatline. There'd be no more Romans. It'd be end right there in verse 9, and that'd be it, right? So he didn't die physically, but how did he die? He died spiritually, right? So, so uh, when does the commandment came? Well, the commandment comes when you have the mental capacity to look at a situation and go, that's wrong, I'm still going to do it. Well, well, how old are you when that happens? It depends on the child, right? You know, some pe- people never get to that point. You know, they've got, they've got mental issues, they've got physical issues, whatever. They never get to the point where they can discern right from wrong. Well, that person's still alive on the God. They could be 30 years old, 40 years old. They're still alive on the God. They never died. They never understood right from wrong and made a choice to do wrong. Amen? Now, uh, every other, uh, the vast majority of hum- humanity will get to a point in their life growing up and go, you know, that's wrong. I'm still going to do it. I mean, you can almost remember the day. Yeah, that's wrong. I'm doing it anyway, right? I remember when I turned 12, I thought, well, I'm 12 years old. I'm a man now. Uh, and so I'm going to start cussing because, you know, that's what you do when you're 12. I'm going to start cussing because, you know, I'm 12. Uh, and I remember thinking this, right? I'm, six, I'm in sixth grade. I'm going to start cussing. So I started cussing, and I was terrible at it. Just, I mean, just, you know, some people are just not good at things, right? And now I wasn't a Christian. I was just a heathen 12-year-old child uh, and growing up, you know. And, and now I've come from a long line of, of famous cussers, right? I mean, cuss wallpaper off the wall. We never could keep wallpaper on the wall. It always cuss it off. It just fall off there, you know. Now, in, in New Hampshire, you call it swearing. In, in Tennessee, you call it cussing, right? And so, you know, and, and so uh, anybody from up north, you know, uh, it was, uh, uh, you're from up north. What'd you call it up north? You call it swearing? Yeah, see, I don't know. Uh, so if you need anybody to translate, let me know. I can translate New Hampshire and, and Tennessee for you. But uh, so, uh, so I thought, well, I'm, I'm 12 now. I'll start cussing. And so, uh, and I made a decision. It was a decision. Now, it's still wrong, right? Now, you know, some words I couldn't say, right? I mean, we used every, I mean, uh, one of the commandments is don't take the name of the Lord in vain. And there was so much vanity in my house. I mean, so much, I mean, you know, just, I can't, I can't, even, I can't even say the words in that context, you know, saying like the Lord Jesus in the context of a cuss. I, I can't, I just, I can't say, even tonight, I can't say it. I, even in an example, I can't say it. 
I won't say it, you know, because it's just so, it's just, it's just terrible. But every other cuss word, you know, I really tried. Not to get them to the really hardcore ones, you know, because you got softcore, you know, cuss words and you got hardcore cuss words. And I, you know, I was working my way up, up the ladder, right? But, but I was so, I finally just quit. I was so bad at it. Because every time I'd, I'd cuss, I'd just get so convicted. I don't know who, you know, because I'm not born again, I'm not saved, but I just get so convicted. And so I finally just quit. I just, and I haven't cussed since then, you know, since I was 12. I haven't cussed since, since I was 12. And I've been married for 33 years now. And, you know, ask my wife, you ever heard him? Oh, you know. And you know why I don't cuss? There's, it's not there. It's just not there. And so, but see, when I made that decision, I'm sure that wasn't the first decision I made that was wrong, right? Uh, but when I made that decision, see, that's sin. That's the, the sin nature that resides in me, that resides in every human being, it revived and I died spiritually. I lost the life of God. I was no longer alive under God. And if I died in that moment, I would miss heaven. And so Paul said, I, sin revived and I died. Amen. And so then Jesus comes along and he tells Nicodemus, a man must be born again. Right? So like I was born the first time, the life of God was in me. Now that's why we get the term born again, because that's the term that Jesus gave us. So people say, I don't like that phrase. But uh, it, it's in the Bible. It, Jesus said that phrase, a man must be born again. Well, I don't like that phrase. So it's too bad, right? That we're going to use that phrase because that's what Jesus used. Amen. And, and it's, the perfect, it's the perfectly correct phrase because you were born a second time. Not physically, right? Because Nicodemus was confused. Can a man enter into his, uh, a second time into his mother's womb? He was talking, you know, he was taking natural birth, right? That'd be really uncomfortable if you had to be naturally born again a second time when you're a grown man. You know, it's just, hey, mom, no, just no. You know, <laughs> I mean, it was tough enough the first time, right? Did you do it a second time as a grown man? The answer would be a, a, a hard no on that one. Uh, but no, we've got to be born again spiritually. Amen. So that light, that light that was in us when we came into the world needs to be turned back on. Amen. And that is what qualifies us to get us to heaven. Are we alive unto God? Not how many sins have you done today? We get, you know, and look, I am not, am I giving anybody license to sin? There's no license to sin as a, as a Christian. Amen. There's no just live however you want to. God doesn't care. God does care. Amen. And the ramifications of sin, even as a Christian, can cause you to leave this earth early. Oftentimes, amen? Open up the door for the devil, bad things happen, amen? But that's not what qualifies you to get to heaven. It's are you alive unto God or not? Is the light of God on the inside of you or not? And that's it. It was there when you were a child, when you're born. You lost it. We call it the age of accountability, whatever that age, you know. It's, it's usually as a young person, uh, and then you got to get it turned back on by being born again. Now, some people, they just, it, it's almost like a, 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 they get born again really early, right? They accept the Lord Jesus at a young age, and that's fine. You know, they keep the light of God. Sometimes they keep it right on through their life. Don't, they don't ever really cross that line, amen? You know, they just accept the Lord Jesus, and then it becomes permanent. Uh, and so, uh, so, the, so we are the light of the world, amen? Uh, and so Jesus said, let's go back then to, to Matthew chapter 5. So that's why you're the light of the world because God lives on the inside of you. And that light, people can see it. Amen? You know, sometimes you don't think that, that uh, other people can see your Christianity. They can see it. Amen? Uh, in fact, that's what, what Jesus said. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You can try to hide it. You can't do it. You can put on a cloak. You can put on a hoodie. You know, you can put on earmuffs and mittens and everything. They can still see it. Amen? doesn't matter. They can see it. 
you are the light of the world, they can see it. They'll know something's different about you. You can try to mask it with sin. You can try to mask it with, with uh, words that you don't say or actions you shouldn't do. But people still see it. They know. Amen? There's something different about you. And, and people, it's, it's so sad when, when the church gets so confused that they try to do everything they can to hide their Christianity. But Jesus said, a city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. You will be found out. You'll be found guilty of being a Christian. You're just, you're, just, you're just different. How come you won't just join us in our sin all the time? City on a hill. Sorry about that, you know. And so, anything wrong with being the light? You want to be the light. Amen? You want to be the one that people are drawn to. He said, Neither do men light a candle, put it on a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So, he didn't say the other people in the house were a candle. He said, you're the candle. Sometimes the only light that people have is you. The only, the only uh, amount of hope that they have is because you've arrived. And, and it's okay. You should be okay with that. You should be okay with, I've arrived. I'm your only hope for your eternity. And, that's, and that, that's our job. That's our job as a church is to be the only hope for the world. They have no hope. You know, they're, they're, they'll, it's amazing to me some of these uh, people that are online and do these, you know, they do these uh, um, giveaway programs and they help a lot of people. And sometimes the church, oh, I'm, I'm so amazed at that person right there. You know, they give all the stuff away, give all this money away, give all, you know, you get a new car and you get a new car and everybody gets a new car. Boring. You can't take that car to heaven. You're not going to get you to heaven. Amen. But people, even in the church, look at someone like that and go, oh, shouldn't we be like them? A car? That's it? I can give you eternal life, like forever. And, and free health care, free fire insurance, right? Uh, free mental health uh, insurance, right? Uh, free dental, everything, right? All, all of it free. And, and, and no copay, right? Best deal ever. I've got the, you, you, you get in a new car, I can give you life. That's a much better deal, amen? If you really knew, if the world really knew what we offered versus what the rest of the world offered them, they would be running through the church, running to the church, amen? And we ought to be that light of people that they're running to the church, amen? Now, they're not that way because there's so many lies out there against the church, but we're the only hope for their eternal destiny, only hope. We're the only light for them, amen? Uh, and so he said, uh, and then he said something interesting in, in verse 16, uh, and uh, uh, we, may have to, we may have to stop there, but he said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Uh, so is it okay for people to know that you've done good things? What did Jesus say? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And do what? Glorify. Glorify your Father which is in heaven. So, so much of the world is telling the church, just be quiet. Don't, you know, we, we don't need to know what you're doing. And then you get in the church, people say, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. So, you know, don't let anybody know that you're doing good things. Well, that's in direct conflict with what Jesus said. Isn't that what Jesus said? Let your light so shine before who? Other men, right? That they may see your good works. We're always trying to hiding our good works. You can shout it from the mountaintop. Look what I did. Now, what's the result, though? The result is, who do they glorify? Your Father, which is in heaven. If you, we're right there in chapter 6. If you go over into chapter, uh, we're in chapter 5. If you go to chapter 6, he said, in verse 1, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. 
Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest alms, do not sound the trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have the glory of what? Men. So, in chapter 5, Jesus said, let your light shine so everybody sees it. Chapter 6, he said, don't let everybody see what you're doing. So, is Jesus crazy? I mean, he's like, did he change his mind? Yeah, sorry about that. We're Scratch all that in chapter 5. New rule, chapter 6, right? No, what's the difference? Chapter 5, why are you doing it? To give glory to God. Chapter 6, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? To get glory from men. If you're doing it so, hey, I'm so wonderful, look at me. I, you know, I, in fact, I can't even hardly stand myself. I'm so wonderful. Well, that's wrong. But if you're saying, hey, look what I did. God is so good. Look what he allowed us to do right here. What are you doing? You're deflecting the glory to God. Always deflecting the glory to God. Amen. God is so good, he wants to feed you. God is so good, he wants to heal your body. God is so good, he wants to prosper you. Well, then who's getting the glory? God is. We're the best church in town. Come to our church because we'll feed you more than anybody else. We'll have the coolest games and the coolest fog machines and everything. You know, look at us. Well, that's getting glory for men, right? Oh, that's the cool church, right? That's, we want to go to the cool church. Well, that's getting glory for men, amen? You know, I, I could care less about anything. Oh, you're the cool church. I want people to know that we're the church where God shows up. Amen? Where God will bless you and heal your body and prosper your, prosper your whole life, your soul and your spirit and your physical body. Amen? And so, so yeah, the, you can be in a situation where you shouldn't let anybody see what you're doing because you're just trying to get attention. You're trying to obtain glory to yourself. And that's, that's a problem, right? And that, that's a real struggle with some people's character is why are they doing that? Are they doing that to be seen, to get glory for their own actions? Or are they trying to get glory for God? See, if you're trying to get glory for God, do it all. Let everybody see it. Let everybody know it. Put it in a newspaper. Put a banner out on your front door. Everything. Let everybody see it. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works. That your Father in heaven may be glorified. Perfectly fine to let people see the good works that you're doing. Perfectly fine to advertise it. Perfectly fine to let people know perfectly fine to even brag about it hey look what we're doing we're so much better than the world because god is good nothing wrong with that amen because jesus said let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works we are not supposed to be a hidden church we're supposed to be a church that can be seen and people people can be drawn to and god can be glorified because of that to be a hidden underground church i understand you know in some places you have to be underground church because they'll kill you if you're not right but I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about your physical safety. I'm talking about uh, it's okay to let the world know that we're much better than them. That God is way better than anything they can ever do. And it's fine. If God is getting the glory and not you, then let your light so shine. Amen. So that's between you and the Lord. Can you do that, can you do that in your heart without, without receiving glory? That's between you and the Lord. Amen. And we all know it. It's distasteful sometimes to, to get around Christians. It's all about them, right? Hey, look what I've done. Look, look what I'm doing. Uh, that's where they want to get glory for themselves. And God is a jealous God. He will not share his glory because we as created beings are unworthy to be glorified. Amen. We are unworthy of any glory, unworthy of any praise, any, unworthy of any adoration. God alone is worthy. Amen. And if we'll, do, if we'll give him all the glory, then praise God. There's no limit. Amen. And so uh, are we the light of the world? Only darkness without us. Are, are we the salt of the earth? Only flavor the world knows is the church. And they don't even know it, right? Because if salt, if it's the perfect amount, 
uh, is there any salt in this? I can't taste any salt. They'll know it's there because there's so much flavor uh, in their life. Amen. And that's our job. Uh, and the world can never do it. The world is a fraud, right? The world is, is a, is a uh, terrible substitute for salt, right? People try to have salt substitute. It's terrible, right? Uh, you know, just, uh, just get the good stuff. Get the, you know, it's okay, amen? Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you that we are the salt of the earth. And, Father, we are the light of the world. Uh, not, not just you, Father, you in us are the light of the world. Father, you have to have the church in the world to be the light, to draw the world to them. And Father, it's perfectly fine for us to, to good, do good works and for the world to see it before men. Do them before men, Father, so that men can see those good works. As long as our desire and goal is to deflect all glory unto you because you are the only one worthy. And so, Father, we'll do that so men can see how good you are. Men can see how wonderful you are how kind and precious you are to us and how good you are to us each and every day. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you all the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He is good. Amen. And so we can do these things. And so we'll, we'll continue on. Jesus starts um, uh, in a lot of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, he's really in transition from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. So a lot of these things he starts saying are transitional doctrines, right? Uh, you know, you've heard that it's been said, but I say unto you. So there's a lot of things he starts saying that, hey, you know, this is the way you're doing it now, but we're going to make some changes here coming up pretty soon. I'm going to do the cross and we're going to make some changes. So buckle up, hang on, right? You know, some people hate change. It, it, it's, it, I don't know why I love change, right? Make things better and, you know, do things better. And uh, it's just, uh, uh, I love change, amen? Jesus changed the whole world. He showed up, changed everything for all eternity, amen? And so uh, it, it's, uh, uh, is it the, what's today? Is it today? Today's the second Sunday. Well, we didn't do it uh, last Sunday because Miss Mary was with us, but, but normally we receive communion uh, each month. That's just our tradition there, no law about it. Uh, but we like to receive communion at least once a month uh, just to remind ourselves of what the Lord's done for us. So, uh, Jared, if you'll come ahead and uh, help us get ready for communion. Uh, and um, Mr. David, would you have a minute to help Jared hand this out since uh, he's got to get around everybody here? Two hands be faster than one, I suppose. Is the Lord good? He's good all the time, amen? Uh, and, um, you know, there's a lot of things. I mean, you could, you could talk about all, a lot of these things for a long time, but uh, one thing we didn't talk about is, you know, uh, your body needs salt, right? Uh, and um, uh, there's, and I, I like reading about some of this stuff anyway, but uh, one of the things about salt is uh, if you have the right amount of salt in your body, it helps uh, conduct electricity uh, for all of your brain functions, right? So your brain is sending nerve impulses, uh, from your brain to wherever else in your body, and it does that because there's salt uh, in your bloodstream, and, and the salt in your bloodstream allows electricity to be conducted. So if you remove all the salt, then there's no connection between your brain and the rest of your body, which really explained a lot of people that I know for a lot of years, right? They need more salt because there's no connection between the brain and the rest of the body, right? And so, uh, but if you don't have the right amount of salt, you know, you, you can start getting uh, muscle cramps and, and things, and so uh, the world needs the salt of the church, amen? They can't function without it. They think they can, but they, they really can't function without it, amen? Uh, and we've heard people say, you know, they're, they're the salt of the earth people. Uh, 
uh, and you know, when we're saying about people like that, because they're just good people, right? Just good people, you know, they're not trying to get any glory to themselves. They're just good people, right? And you like being around them. Uh, and, I, you know, I like being around people that are salt of the earth. And, and you ever heard the phrase, they're not worth their salt? You know, that's another phrase about salt, because salt used to be really expensive and really valuable. Uh, and so they weren't, they weren't worth whatever they were worth in salt. And, and because, you know, salt used to be uh, used in some cases like a currency or, or ex- medium of exchange. Uh, and so if you're not worth your salt nowadays, you know, that's not a big deal because salt is pretty cheap, right? So uh, you mean I'm not worth even three cents? Uh, but back then it used to be very valuable. So, uh, but um, all right. So, thank you, sir. Well, is the Lord good? I think we already mentioned that. Uh, uh, can we mention it too much? We can't mention it too much, right? So, you know, the Lord uh, at the Last Supper, we call it the Last Supper there. And, uh, you know, Brother Randy always likes to bring out the point that, you know, what, the, what was the last thing that Jesus said? He said, if, if you want your picture taken, boys, get on this side of the table, right? So everybody was on the same side of the table, right? They get their picture made, but after, but normally they were sitting on both sides of the table, right? You'll have to just meditate on that one for a while. But, but at the Last Supper, Jesus uh, had bread. And he said, this bread represents my body. It's not his body. It doesn't become his body. It's not anything weird or spooky. It's just bread, right? But he said, it represents his body. He said, I wanted to remind you that I have given my body for you. So all the stripes that Jesus took, all the beatings that he took, all the crown of thorns that he took uh, through the process of the crucifixion, uh, he did that by choice for you, for me. Amen? Uh, and he said uh, uh, over in, well, he says it in several different places in the scriptures, but one of the things he said, he said, by my stripes you are healed. And so when he took the stripes on his back, every stripe that he took, he did that by choice. He was not a victim. Uh, he intentionally said, uh, I'm going to go and I'm going to allow them to, to beat me. And in fact, the word of God says beyond the recognition of a man so that every pain that I take, I'm taking in substitute for you so you don't have to take pain. Uh, and, and how in the world, every church in the world receives communion. How in the church, how in the world, every church isn't a healing, believing church is beyond me because this bread represents the fact that Jesus took stripes for me. So I never have to be in pain any days of my life. I never have to be in sickness a single day of my life because this bread represents what Jesus did for me. And so, and that's why we receive community. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Remind yourself that, that, that I did this for you. And that's why when I received community, I remind, Lord, you did this for me. You took stripes on your back so I can live a life free from sickness and disease all the days of my life. And if, and if Jesus... If he doesn't heal anymore, then his stripes were of no value. Amen. All that beatings he took was of no value. If Jesus doesn't heal anymore, then it was a waste of time for him to be beaten. Amen. And he should have never had. But we, of course, we know that's not true. We know that it is true that it's of great value. And he, they, they beat an innocent man uh, nearly to death. Amen. To the point that he couldn't even carry his own cross. He had to have somebody else do it for him because he was so weak from, from the beatings. Amen. And so this represents the, the divine health that you have a right to live in all the days of your life. Amen. So as we receive the bread, let's remind ourselves that he did that for us. Amen. So, Father, we thank you that this bread represents your body. Every stripe, every pain, every thorn, Father, you took uh, on your body so I can live free from every one of those things. Free from sickness and disease and, uh, and agony and pain, Father. I can live free from that because you took the substitute for me. 
And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we receive that blessing of divine health in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. And, Father, this juice represents your blood. It's not your blood, Father, but it represents your blood. And you wanted to remind us, too, that you've dealt with sin. You paid such a great price for sin in our lives. And you said, Father, that if we receive this blood, that this blood will wash away all of our sins. And we could stand before you clean, not because we're perfect people, but because we're washed people, we're clean people. So, Father, we, we don't come to you cowering, Father, and ashamed. We come to you as people washed in your blood, free from sin and free from all of our past, Father. And if we happen to even commit a sin today, we can declare that we are forgiven because your blood was shed. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Praise God. Is the Lord good? Uh, has he healed your body? Has he cleansed, from you, uh, cleansed you from all sin? He has. Amen. And so we thank the Lord for his goodness and kindness. Amen. Uh, and so as Jared is doing that, uh, we'll get ready to receive uh, this morning's tithes and offerings. Appreciate y'all's faithfulness and giving. Amen. The Lord is good and kind to us. And, um, you know, there's, uh, of course, you could preach on, on finances and, and money for a long time. And, we, of course, we don't preach a lot about it. But, you know, uh, from a very practical standpoint, one of the reasons why we give is so that the ministry has the ability to eat, right? I mean, it's really pretty simple. If you go back to the Old Covenant, when the Lord uh, set aside the, the one tribe out of 12, he set aside the Levites as the ministers of, of Israel. And he said they get no inheritance of land, right? They get no, they can't grow crops. They don't get any cities. They got to live with, with somebody else on somebody else's land. And, and he said, uh, bring all the tithes from, from the nation to support uh, the, this one tribe. Uh, twelfth of the tribes, the Levites, which are ministers, so they can eat, right? So there'll be meat in my house. Uh, and so I know there's a lot of spiritual aspects, and there is about uh, financial giving and things. But, you know, one aspect is, well, the, the pastor gets to eat, right? And, um, you know, that's okay, amen? It's okay if the pastor eats, right? Some be like, you know, don't feed him, right? And, and, and so that's pretty tough, right? Uh, and so, you know, I mean, sometimes we hyper-spiritualize some things, but in a practical sense, that was the Lord's des desire, right? His desire was he set aside a group of people uh, that would uh, study and pray and spend time with him in order to help people live a, a peaceful and joyful life. But in order to do that, they can't be out plowing the North 40 and doing those types of things, amen? Nothing wrong with, you know, I'm, I'm still a bivocational pastor. I still work some, but I still get to be here a lot, amen? So I don't work, you know, I mean, some of you work really hard, you know, and... and I try not to work very hard at all, right? And so, uh, but just, you know, just, so just remind yourself, you know, this is really a practical thing. It's, it's for, so the ministers have the ability to, not just me, but for the ministers have the ability to spend more time in, in the word of God and prayer than someone who has to work 40 hours a week, amen? And so, uh, Mr. Jerry, come ahead and receive the, uh, this morning's tithes and offerings. And of course, we don't ever make a big pull for money because in, in my heart, the Bible says, everyone should give according to their heart, right? What's in your heart. So I can't put what's in your heart there. That's between you and the Lord Jesus, amen? And, um, you know, as, as we go along, we teach on, on occasion about finances. So we have a foundation of faith for that. Uh, but, um, but you all are good. We've always been uh, fine as a church, uh, financially prosperous as a church, and we will always will be, amen? 
Uh, and so don't forget, we have healing school today at 3 o'clock. And um, if I keep preaching, we'll just go right into healing school, right? Uh, and so, um, um, and then Ladies Fellowship is uh, next Saturday at 11 a.m. Uh, and bring finger foods if you'd like to come up for that. So, all right, uh, we good? Well, y'all have a blessed afternoon, and uh, we'll see you at 3 o'clock.